Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I wonder if you ever think about the value of your memory, of remembering those things of past times. And as a Christian believer, we're often in this way of thinking that says we need to forget those things that have gone before and only press on towards the future. Now, that might be good wisdom, but there are some other things that we ought to be remembering, remembering just how bad things were before we had an encounter with Christ. Let's talk some more today with the author of a book called Renovation. Mark Johnston is back with us. Mark is the Director of Transformation Ministries. He's based in Queensland on the Gold Coast. Hello, Mark. Welcome back to 2020. Hello, Neil. Good to see you. Mark, this idea of remembering is something that you tackle in your new book called Renovation. And sometimes remembering is painful. Sometimes remembering, we might be thinking about hearkening back to those old ways when, in fact, we should try to forget those and only press on forward. How do you feel about this idea of remembering? Well, for myself, initially, I thought, why would a person want to go backwards? God why would you want them to think in terms of where they came from? And recently I was going through the book of Exodus and how God took the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And one thing I constantly seen in the scriptures was he kept saying to remember. I thought, why would you want them to remember that they were a slave? I mean, out of all things, why would you want them to remember that? And he'd also say, and remember that it was my great power that brought you out. And I couldn't sort of put it together until I started looking into the New Testament in in comparison to uh, Romans where it spoke about us being a slave to sin because I needed a New Testament context to be able to even think in those terms. And when I realized that the Old Testament was lining up with the New Testament, I realized that God was saying to us even today, you know, you guys were a slave. Like, You were totally taken over under the spirit of the power of this age. You were dominated by sin. You were alienated from the the life of God. You You were at enmity. You were separated from him. And he's saying to us today, remember how far that you've come from. And number two, remember that you wouldn't even be in this position today unless it was from the glorious gospel of Christ and the power of God under your salvation. So I actually linked those two together and I thought, wow. God spoke in Exodus and he's speaking in the New Testament saying it would be probably a good idea for you to remember that I've done these things in your life. Last time we were talking, Mark, uh, you were telling us some of those things from your testimony and you do talk about those things in your first book called Marked by Mercy. But your background was very dysfunctional. Drugs, alcohol, I suppose we could tick off all of the different boxes. Uh, Remembering those things not necessarily remembering how good some of those things felt, but remembering the effect on your life and knowing what you were Mm. saved from. Mm. How does that memory work? Well, if I was to remember the things that have happened to me, it it would bring a sense of hopelessness and, you know, there's, there's no hope in it. But if I remember how dark and how lost and how depraved I was when Christ came into my life and how powerful that was, I am so grateful and so thankful just even at the idea of it. You know, I was even thinking recently, Lord, you are just so amazing 
to be sitting here today, I never thought that I'd be able to be this free in my life. I never thought that it was even possible to live in the freedom that I'm living in today. And just to remember what that was like for me and to know that Christ really came through and he really fulfilled what he promised to me. And I don't know about yourself, but it it excites me to no end and it stirs a passion in me. And I'm reminded of uh, 2 Timothy 1.6. It says, and we always, you know, quote it, you know, stir up the gift of God that's within you, fan it in the flame. And it's almost like we're trying to stoke people to stir it up. But the, the key to that verse is when it says to, I remind you, or in the old King James, it says, bring to remembrance. And that's the key, because that, that is a Greek word, enomenisco, and it means to repeat and do again. And it means to regather and recollect things such as memories. So God's saying, why don't you go back over your life and remember that time? Because who knows? Like We get stuck in our present pain. Lord, this is not fair. We, 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 we struggle with trials and persecutions and mocking and slandering, and we, we suffer for the gospel. And, and he's saying to us, remember the times that I never left you when you felt lonely. Remember the times when you were sick and I brought healing to your life. Remember when you felt so bound up and you thought there was no way out and I delivered you and rescued you. Remember those times when your mind was in a scrambled egg and I renewed it and restored it and prospered it for you. And I'm telling you, any person that goes back there and remembers what God has done for them, it stirs a ferocious fire inside their heart again. So, uh, But the attitude that you have when you are remembering, because if we were using the example of the children of Israel, there they are in the wilderness with Moses and they're grumbling against Moses. Some of them are saying, we want to go back to Egypt where we had a bed to sleep in and we had food to eat. And we've forgotten that we were slaves, that we were second class citizens there's an attitude to the memory, isn't there? Because sometimes we can remember the sinful days gone by and the rosiness of some of the sinfulness sometimes takes over where we ought to be thinking about just how powerful and how wonderful it was that we were delivered from those things into salvation in Christ. That's right. And what I find fascinating is that the children of Israel remembered the good things about Egypt but they never mention once about them being uh, in slavery and depraved and, and, and locked and, and bound up. They mention the food and the good things about Egypt. And that's what people do from any form of addiction in life. They only remember the good times, but they don't remember the bad times that got them into that point in the first place. And as soon as they hit trials or problems or they suffer a tiny bit, it's almost like a drug addict. He hits problems, or an alcoholic hits problems, and all of a sudden he goes, well, why may as well just go back and pleasure myself with this stuff again, knowing full well it's going to take him back in the bondage anyway, but he doesn't care. So when you're talking to someone who is making those noises, and you know, for listeners to our conversation now, that person who was coming to church regularly, and somehow or other they've stopped coming to church now because they've decided that somehow or other their old lifestyle seemed quite attractive. What do you do? What do you say to people when you know that there is an issue, they're going back to their old life, and they're forgetting that they've been delivered from the slavery of sin? Well, first and foremost, I would say that they need to have what they call consequential thinking. Jesus said, if you're going to build something, sit down and weigh it up. 
lot of people don't weigh up their decisions. They make decisions, and then when they're walking through it, they realize that reality kicks in and consequences come, and life does not always uh, play fair with people. But Jesus said, sit down and weigh it up. And I think what's happening is we're in a generation that doesn't think consequentially. It just thinks, what can I do to fix my need? What can I do uh, to get out of the pain? What can I do to avoid the pain? And so they fill it full of everything but Christ. So I found out recently, and I don't want to go too far into it, but I want to explain something. Now, inside the midbrain, there is a chemical that's driven by pleasure. And there's another chemical that seals those memories of pleasure. So it actually operates from the midbrain and works its way out. And if the frontal cortex or the uh, the front of our mind that is the rationale, the um, cost first, the benefits, the reasoning, the logic, the weighing things up, if that's not strengthened, they don't think consequentially. So what they do is they go and make a decision based on a form of pleasure. And then later they say, what am I doing? What have I done? What was I thinking? Well, that's the, that's the point. You weren't thinking. You were thinking about the pleasure of the experience, but you had no consequential thinking. you got to think ahead and ask yourself the question, if I go to the pub and I know that that destroys my family, I'm making a decision not to go to the pub. If I know that taking that drug is going to take me away from Christ, I know that that's not worth it. And so when people get to this point, of saying it's not worth the consequence, then they'll make better decisions towards Christ. Do you think this is one of those elements that we sometimes underplay to do with discipleship in church life or the value of what it is to have a pastor? And, you know, when we talk about a pastor, a shepherd who oversees the sheep, who reminds them that what they've come from is not worth going back to. Yeah, look, and I and I think that is the key. And for some reason, we 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 like to present the positive gospel, and I think um, it's not really sort of setting people up successfully, because you know as soon as you give your heart to Christ, there should be good foundational teachings of discipleship and what that looks like. See, the first thing Jesus said, he said, he said, pick up your cross, right? The first thing that a person's going to do when they suffer is start whinging about themselves. So Jesus said, I know the antidote to that. Deny yourself. And then he said, follow me. But what we're teaching people is, oh, you just follow Jesus and everything's going to be okay. No, that's not the gospel. The, the gospel is you pick up shame and suffering and ridicule. And that is the gospel. And when we start teaching about true discipleship, not church gathering and church building and numbers and the fanfare and you know the popularity club, when we start getting back down to the foundations of what true discipleship is, people will start getting set free left, right, and center because they're not set up to say, why is all this suffering happening? They're pre-armed. They're pre-warned about what's going to take place. Mark, what do you say to the person listening to our conversation right now? They're sitting on the fence. One way is the pursuit of this idea of conforming to who Jesus is. He's got a new image. He's got a new identity. He's got a new direction for lives. The other side of the fence is where I've come from, my old life, the challenging things that we got free from, but somehow or other there's an attraction there. There's a drawing back into those things. What do you say to the person who's sitting on the fence about how they actually be determined in the decision to take the right side? Okay, I like James 1.8. 
It says a double-minded man is unstable in all these ways. That word unstable, if you look it up, means inconsistent. Anytime I see an inconsistent person, I see a person that's double-minded. Now, in the Dakes, it says that that person has a reference for the world and they have a reference for God. And in the Greek, it means to be two-souled, two-spirited. So this person has to make a choice with their will to submit themselves to the Word of God. And what we've always sort of seen is, well, I haven't got a big vision. See, for me, people say, how do you change, Mark? How do you get on par? You get on par by vision. Vision has the power to discipline people. When when you get a professional swimmer that gets up in the morning at 4 o'clock in the morning and he goes into strict regime and trains, um, he's doing it because he can see something. And I think the key for people to step over the line is that they resolve inside their heart that the gospel is the answer and the solution to every single need to the human heart. Now, vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future. So I say to people that say, oh, I can't see where I'm going, even though you're saying God's got a vision for my life. I say to them, the word of God creates images and start getting a vision of your moral code and how you see yourself in Christ. Start there and God will unpack the rest. And I'll finish with this. I love what A.R. Bernard Bernard said. He said, a man without a vision will always return to his past. So that's the key right there. So it's having a clear mental image of of a preferable future. What burns in me every day is I've got a clear mental image of a preferable future. Why would I even want the other option? I know where I'm going, and that's the key. If people know where they're going, they've got a purpose, they will find that this will be so much easier for them. Well, a good conversation today, and while we were talking about memories, those memories remembering the past, remembering those things that are what we have been delivered from, like the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, came out of slavery. Well, let me point people to your book called Renovation, Mark Johnston. Mark is the author of Renovation. He's also written a book called Marked by Mercy, but those two books, both available in the Vision Store. Simply go to vision.org.au and you'll find a link there to get a hold of Mark Johnston's books. Mark, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.